You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Well, good morning. My name is Mikhail, and um, as, you've, as you've heard, and I am here because I was invited but also because uh, I enjoy being with you. I appreciate your hospitality and I love the way that you have loved and cared for my family over the last uh, number of years that they've been a part of your congregation. So I wanna tell you happy ninth day of Christmas, everybody. Did you know, did you remember that Christmas has in fact 12 days? It's a season, not just a day of Christmas tide. And according to the Christian calendar, which has been set in motion uh, centuries ago, it has 12 days in order that we can really kind of revel in the uh, the full gift of what it means to have God with us. But it doesn't just end there. On January 6th, it launches a whole new season that we call Epiphany with the recalling of the story of the Magi who found uh, Jesus through the star. And in that season, we are able to uh, really revel in the wonder of this God who reveals God's self to us in ways that we humans can comprehend and according to our own language. But while I will also tell you not just happy ninth day of Christmas, but happy new year of 2022, I want us to remember that for the Christian calendar, for those of us who are committed to the way of Jesus, the new year begins actually in the season of Advent. This is where we start the story every year. And we begin in a place and a period of waiting and expectation. A season of anticipation begins our journey so that we can open our eyes and see and receive the gifts that God has on the road ahead of us. And I think although the season of Advent has passed and we are now in Christmas and turning the corner into Epiphany, it's very important for us, I think, to continue that anticipatory expectation, to carry that with us as we enter a new year so that we can actually see and receive the things that God has in store for us. I, I think it's important for us too to recognize that while we may carry with us feelings of anticipation and expectancy, joy at new gifts and wonder and excitement about gifts that are coming, we are people who may often feel out of place, out of joint. And as we've already heard and prayed about this morning in various stages of grief. I think we can identify many of us and certainly the church as a whole in uh, the United States and many places around the world can identify as being people of exile. People who have come somehow untethered from the things that feel like home. People who are noticing the world around them change and the things that used to make sense, the things that used to bring comfort, the things that used to give a sense of autonomy or even power are fading away. 
People of exile have experienced life being upended, experience change, identity may be threatened, and everything around them seemingly from ideology down to decorations and language feeling unrecognizable at times. Now I say this because I think it's very fitting for us to understand this, uh, this sense of exile, but also because large parts of scripture were written to and for and about people in exile. And when we begin to see ourselves through that lens, I think we can understand all the more this gift of God with us in the midst of what feels like exile. And so there are some words for us today from the prophet Isaiah, words that were spoken to and for people in exile, those who had journeyed from Jerusalem to Babylon and were now trying to find a new way of life in this new and unfamiliar place. So I invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's word from Isaiah chapter 43. And I'll be reading verses 14 through 21 out of the New Living Translation. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The animals, the wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel, and let us also hear, I have made the church for myself, and they will someday honor me before the whole world. This is the people, this is the word of God for us who are the people of God, and so we can say together, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Did you catch the illusion that God through the prophet Isaiah was making here? He's recalling the story of the Exodus, that incredible miraculous event where God led the enslaved peoples of Israel out of their slavery and into freedom through the Red Sea, which parted on both sides and they went through on dry ground. And then when the Egyptian army came after them, the seas came back over and their chariots got stuck in the mud and they all drowned their captors were no more and they were a free people. And they went on into the promised land. And so while God says, remember that? 
remember who I am and what I've done. At the very same time, he says, forget it. Forget it. How do we make sense of this? How do we remember and forget? Well, I think that the Israelites, the Jewish people in exile, were in danger of making the very same mistake that I often make, maybe that you make too. And that is that we look back at what God has done before, the golden years, as we often like to call them, with all of our fondness and nostalgia. And we want God to repeat the same thing God has done before. But God doesn't work that way. God is about something new. God has more than one trick up his sleeve and he's not gonna repeat the same thing twice. So while God says, yes, remember that I am the same God who did this, don't expect it to happen the same way twice. Now I am doing something new. And you might not understand, I don't, I don't blame you, I wouldn't either had I gone digging for it, what all was going on in the era that Isaiah was speaking these words. Babylon was a superpower. It was an empire that had amassed uh, tons of military might and land. They had conquests all over their known piece of the world. And they had gathered uh, nationalities and ethnicities from all different places like they did with the Jewish people to create one mega giant superpower in its day. But the, the iron fist of power was beginning to show some cracks. The ground was shaking a little bit. The walls of the fortress seemed to be showing some, some decay. And another superpower was vying for its place in the world. This was the empire to be of Persia. And I can imagine that if I am a, 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 a Jewish exile that has been now probably in the second, maybe even the beginnings of the third generation away from Jerusalem, away from Israel, I've just now felt like I have a sense of control in my life. I, I, my family knows the language. Uh, we, we have a little niche cut out for ourselves. We know how to make a life. And some of us even have risen to some kind of modicum of, of power and authority within the powers that be in Babylon. And I can imagine that if that's me, watching the walls of Babylon begin to shake feels like history repeating itself in the worst possible way. Because they ask, is our world crumbling again? We just figured out how to survive here. We thought this was gonna make up be our new home. And it's as if the spirit of God is saying, you see a world crumbling. <laughs> You see walls coming down that you thought were your protection, but what if, people of God, what if this is what it looks like for you to be set free? What if the walls that you thought were your protection were actually your prison, <laughs> keeping you in this place for longer than you needed to be? 
So there was this enormous amount of upheaval, tension, anxiety, uncertainty, and the people of God are right in the middle of it, trying to figure out what does this mean for us? Does this sound familiar? Because <laughs> as I look at us, I feel like it is kind of the same story. The world is an upheaval. What does this mean for us? We've lost so much. What does this mean for us? Where do we go from here? And it seems as if God is saying, can you see what I am doing even as the walls come down? Are you paying attention to the crumbling of the walls or are you paying attention to the new life that is springing up right at your feet? I have experienced this in my own life very recently. My dad told you that our family is in a period of transition. Back in September, my husband accepted a new post at Bethel University in Mishawaka, Indiana as a vice president of institutional advancement. And he began that job uh, back in September while uh, we were kind of afoot in both worlds. We've been in Oklahoma City uh, for 11 years now. And I've been pastoring at 8th Street Church of the Nazarene, which I helped to found for the past six and a half years. And so it has felt uh, very unsettling for us to uproot and find ourselves in a new place. We just made the final stretch of the move. Brent's kind of been straddling the two places over the last several months and our, we bought a home and fixed it up and just moved in right before the holidays. And so kids will start new schools um, tomorrow, actually. It's a lot of change for us. And in the midst of all of that, I've been, uh, I will confess to you, at various times anxious, uh, other times excited, other times kind of whiny and kicky and screamy a little bit about this whole thing, and feeling like I thought that the season of my life as one of the pastors of 8th Street Church of the Nazarene was gonna last a lot longer, and wanting it to have lasted a lot longer and not knowing what's on the other side for me. What, there isn't a, a job yet. There isn't a, a congregation yet. It's felt like a season of um, discernment and, and wandering and, and uncertainty. And so I've wrestled through this. I've had various times, like I said, of anxiety, trying to figure out what I can make happen for myself in this new place. But about six weeks ago, it's like the Holy Spirit broke through and kind of in the most loving and gentle way shamed me <laughs> into a new way of thinking about this. So I'll take the story back a little bit further. In November, I went to a conference that has become one of my favorites. It's called the Christian Community Development Association. Um, and they rotate cities. This past year, we were in Kansas City. And the whole thing, they, they, they talk about uh, the work of holistic community development from economic to spiritual and everything in between. And they talk about anti-racism and uh, housing and spiritual formation and church planting. I mean, it's just all of these uh, things that go together. And it's uh, the place that I have found uh, where I 
I know that we talk the same language. And so I thought if I can find someone in the South Bend, Mishawaka area at this conference, then I'll know that I have some people, <laughs> you know, I'll have a leg up on getting connected. And it wasn't until the very last day of the conference that I was in a very long line getting coffee before the morning session when I was in behind two people in line that had Indiana on their name tags. So I said, oh, any chance that you know someone in the South Bend, Mishawaka area? Well, neither of them were from that area, but one of the people knew someone there. And so he said, yeah, I, I do. Tell me a little bit about what you've been doing and I'll tell you what my friend's been doing. And so we had this little, you know, 10 or so minute chit chat while we waited in line. At the end of it, he said, you know, I think he wouldn't mind if I just gave you his cell phone number. You can call him up and tell him that I said, you th I think that you guys would like each other. I said, sounds a little bit risky to me, but okay, you know your friend and I don't. So I waited quite a while. Uh, it was a little bit nerve wracking, just cold calling this person on his personal cell phone. And so uh, I, I did though, eventually the week of Thanksgiving, a couple days before Thanksgiving. And uh, he answered, miracle of miracles, because who answers an unknown phone number when it rings your phone, right? Like, don't you just send it to voicemail? So I was all prepared for my voicemail speech, but it was actually a conversation. And uh, he, he works at Notre Dame. He teaches in the social justice department. We have a lot of interests in common. And he's done church planting in, in urban areas prior to this. And it was, a, it was a wonderful conversation. He said, you know, I think uh, I have some some folks that you'd be interested in meeting and I can tell you some of the work that's going on here in the city when you get here. And so why don't you text me the spelling of your name when we get off the phone and then I'll save your contact and when you get back in town, we'll meet up. So I did, we hung up and I sent him the spelling of my name. Thanks so much for, um, for, for meeting or for you know the conversation. I look forward to meeting you all that. About five minutes later, he sends back a text that says, I don't believe it. My Sunday night home group, which meant this was on a Tuesday, two days prior, just started using your book, Living the Way of Jesus, for our home group studies. <laughs> now, if you don't know, which I don't think that you would, Living the Way of Jesus is a very small, very, very niche publication <laughs> that I was able to publish through our Nazarene uh, publishing house called The Foundry. And it goes through the lectionary year, three years. It gives one practice per week. It's basically um, a published form of what I've been doing for our congregation at 8th Street Church uh, over the last you know, six years. I was dumbfounded that this man that I, who is not a part of the Church of the Nazarene, which I'm grateful for the Church of the Nazarene and I'm grateful for Foundry Publishing, but if you are not related to me or if you don't attend 8th Street Church or if you don't get the Nazarene Publishing emails, I don't know how you know about this book. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. It was so, I was like flabbergasted. I didn't have any words. You know on your iPhone when you can just press down and make a reaction? I just made the exclamation points because I was like, I got nothing. But it was his next phrase in that text that's really been ringing in my ears. 
He said, your work is preceding your arrival. And to me, that landed like the weight of a prophetic proclamation. Because I don't think, actually I'm very convinced, that it's not just my work that precedes my arrival. In fact, I think it has very little to do with my work or even the book at all. This is a picture of how the Spirit of God operates. There is something going on that we do not know about. There is more happening than we can make happen or that we can even know is happening. And there is a God out there in our future already preparing the way for us. God's work, the spirit of God's work is always preceding our arrival, going before, preparing the way, creating something new that we have never seen before. And so the real issue at stake is not whether or not God is working, but it's actually whether we are in tune enough with the God who is at work to see what that God is doing. God's question to the Israelites, to the people in exile in Babylon was, do you not see it? It is springing up from the ground. People of Lima community, do you not see it? Mikhail, do you not see it? The truth is often we do not, right? I don't know if you've had this experience. Many of us have been at the holidays recently with uh, family members and there seems to be always this one unobservant person who doesn't quite take the social cues to know that the conversation should have been over about five minutes ago, or doesn't remember that it's their turn at dominoes, or that always picks the most uncomfortable topic for conversation. Let's not be that unobservant person with God. Let's, let's aim to lean in and listen closely. Let's aim to listen more than we speak. Let's aim to wait and watch and notice with expectancy. And honestly, I think expectancy is one of the best things that we can carry with us to help shape what we see. Because if we are expecting God to do something, if we are living in expectation of God's new thing, we will be looking for it. And we will be more ready to find it and receive it and rejoice in it when it comes. But I will tell you honestly, I think many, many times for my own self, and maybe this is true for you, it's hard for me to notice what God is doing because I just am so aware of what I want God to do that God isn't doing. 
Does that ever happen to you? And so while we have eyes open of expectancy, it also has to be some open-handedness to say, God, I expect you to be at work, but I can't tell you how to do it. And I think this comes only as we learn to practice silence and reflection, listening, so that we can see and understand and perceive in ways that take time, that cultivate patience, that require time in scripture to know and hear and see clearly how God has operated in the past, not because God's going to duplicate it, but so that we can be more aware of how God might act in the now. I think it was Mark Twain who said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And this, I think, is a very true way of understanding God's new thing. God is never going to create the Exodus pathway again, but God is going to continue to free people. And God is never going to rain down manna again, but God is going to continue to provide for people that he has called out into the wilderness with him. God is doing a new thing in your midst. I think one of the things that I have learned maybe most surprisingly in my own recent journey is that I, it's hard to see the new thing without giving room for grief of the old thing. It's hard to see a new season coming when we're living in denial that the old season is coming to an end. It's hard to anticipate and celebrate the new thing springing up if we never let the thing die. If we never admit that the walls are crumbling, it's hard to see the new sprout springing up from the ground in their place. And I don't exactly know what that means for you or what the loss is for you. But for me, it's been about just naming. Naming the loss that I feel. Naming the disappointment. Naming the relationships that I have loved and held on to and that have helped establish my own sense of purpose and identity in the world and just finding a sense of grief and letting those go. But also in the very same places, I have been able to recognize the new gifts of life springing up in the very, sometimes the very same places where I have mourned the loss. 
And so I think it is with this kind of left eye and right eye that we, we notice the losses and we notice the gifts and together we can get a full picture that begins to give us a clue that we can see clearly what new thing God is doing in our midst and inviting us into. And so with our final moments together, I'd like for us just to take a short reflective practice. We'll go through it pretty quickly. So it might be something that you wanna come back to later today or even this week as we are in the very first week of this year. But if you want to, you can make notes during this uh, reflection time now. So pull out a pen and paper if you want or even open up a new notes page on your phone. And we'll just take a few minutes to walk through uh, some of the highlights of 2021 and notice the gifts and the grief as well as we prepare room for an awareness to see what God is doing anew. So will you join me? Let's think back first to where we were this time a year ago in January of 2021. and what hopes we carried with us. And what fears we carried with us into the new year. What losses did we experience or were we grieving at that time? And also what gifts presented themselves. Now let's fast forward just a few months to March of 2021, which marked the one year of a pandemic way of life. What hopes and fears were present in your life at that point? What did you lose? And what gifts showed up unexpectedly? Now let's move forward into June, July, the summer months. And again, reflect on what you carried with you. What prayers were you praying at that time? What did you hope for? What did you lose? What, what was disappointing? 
And then where did you see goodness and grace and gift show up? And we'll move forward into the early fall, kids heading back to school in late August or September. Do you remember what you were feeling then? What you were experiencing? What gifts made you rejoice? Were there any losses that led you to grief? And finally, we'll look back over the last six to eight weeks, November, December, the holidays. What have you been carrying with you? Or what have you been trying not to notice? that's actually on your back, in your briefcase, that you're carrying with you? What losses and what gifts are present? Now, I don't know what this exercise has been for you. I hope something fruitful has surfaced or something that you want to return to on your own this week. I will tell you for me, when I've spent time in this very reflection practice, I've recognized that way back at the beginning of 2021 and all the way through, way before I had any idea what 2022 was gonna hold for me and my family, God was preparing good gifts for me that I needed before I even knew how much I needed them. So that when I now look into the future, although I don't fully know what this next season of life is gonna be for me, probably much like you don't know what your next season of life is gonna look like or the next season of your church or the next season for my family. While we don't know exactly what it looks like, we can recognize, I've been able to recognize that because of God's goodness and grace that goes before, I have what I need for whatever is next. And I trust this for you because it has everything to do with who God is and how God operates. 
So I pray that for you, you are able to look behind, not longing for God to relive glory days and do things exactly the way God did them before, but that you would have a deeply embedded, holy imagination of how God has proven faithful before so that you can look into the future with eyes of expectancy and see the new thing that God is doing in the future and even right now in your midst. Maybe even that you would have eyes to see what's happening right at your feet, popping up from beneath you. And may we have eyes to see this so that we have hearts to receive it and so that we have feet strong enough and courageous enough to walk into it. And may we abound in the joy of knowing the truth of God with us in the present and in what is yet to come. May this be so for you, friends. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would give us the people of God, the gift of awareness to see you. and to follow you. May you give us the grace needed to grieve so that we may have eyes to see the new ride alongside the old. May you continue, Lord God, to tell your story of faithfulness and love to your people. For we know this is who you are. And we pray it with confidence in the name and the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.